0: Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D from Coffee with Carrie. Welcome to season two of Coffee with Carrie podcast. It's such a privilege to do this adventure we call homeschooling with you. Thank you for tuning in again and walking this homeschooling journey with us. If you're new to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarry.org So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think you'll be encouraged. <laughs> A few months ago, I posted on my Instagram Coffee with Carrie account that my son committed to play baseball at the collegiate level in the fall of 2021. I was super surprised and super excited at the response I received. I know there are tons of high school athletes in the homeschooling community, but I had no idea so many of you are worried that your son or daughter won't get the same sports opportunities if they homeschool through high school. Many of you asked that I devote an entire podcast to sharing the NCAA and the NAIA world of eligibility and a few things that our family has learned along the way. So in this week's podcast, we'll be talking all things related to high school sports. There are tons of topics related to homeschooling through high school. But since we'll be having a three-hour Q&A session on homeschooling high school tomorrow evening at our annual special weekend for homeschooling moms, I thought I would devote this week's podcast just to the sports questions. Now a little plug here. If you're interested in other topics related to homeschooling through high school and you're in the Southern California area, you should join us. Our Friday night session begins at 6.30 p.m. We have a panel of homeschooling moms and dads who have successfully launched their teens into the working world and onto college campuses. And we have special guests, Carolyn and Marty Forte, who are the owners and founders of Excellence in Education Homeschooling Resource Center and PSP right here in Southern California. They are truly homeschooling pioneers in California. But our favorite part of our high school panel consists of homeschool graduates who are out in the workforce, either making a living owning their own businesses, homeschool graduates either currently earning their bachelor's or master's degree, and homeschooling graduates who are now homeschooling their own children. Not only do the moms and attendants get to hear advice from parents who have taught their students through the high school years, but they get to hear firsthand from the graduates themselves about their homeschooling journey, what they enjoyed, what they would do different, and any advice on how to tailor their high school years to pursue their God-given purposes in life. So much is always covered at our Friday night session that sometimes we just don't have enough time to focus on the collegiate sports side of homeschooling. So I will attempt to answer some of those important questions in this podcast. So if you have a child or a teen who excels in a particular sport and you think he or she may want to pursue this in high school, in college, and maybe even as a future career, get your pen and paper ready pour yourself a cup of coffee, and hang out with me for a little while. Let's talk sports. So first, let me reassure you that playing competitive sports in high school is possible, and playing sports at the collegiate level as a homeschool graduate is also possible. So you can relax. It is doable. (laughs) So now let's talk about the different ways to make this dream a reality. Let me also say, though, if you live in California, and your son plays football, it will be much harder. So keep that in mind as we talk about things in this episode. Not everything we discuss in this podcast will apply to your son who plays football. But take heart and listen anyway. And one more thing for my California homeschooling moms. If your teen plays any other sport in California, you do have a few more hoops to jump through than a mom listening in another state. But take heart as well this sports dream is definitely doable too. Now, the first thing you want to do is make sure your athlete plays his or her sport throughout high school. In California, most school districts do not allow homeschoolers to play on their hometown high school team. However, in most other states, homeschoolers are allowed to try out and play high school sports on their local high school district's team. So, Contact your district and find out the rules and procedures for your son or daughter to play on public or private high school teams. Now, if you live in California, playing on your local public high school team really isn't an option, but there are two ways to play competitive sports during high school in California. First, check to see if your school district has an independent study program. Most districts do. If your teen is enrolled in your school district's independent study program, then by law, the school district must allow him or her to play, or at least to try out, for a JV and varsity team. Even if they're not on campus during the day in classes, they're legally a student in the district, therefore, they should be allowed to play. Now, the drawback to this independent study program option is your child is enrolled in public school which means he or she will be required to follow the standards set forth by the state and district. Your teen will have to take whatever courses the district requires and in the order that they set forth. Now, even though your student is doing all the work at his own pace in your home, you as the parent are now just the tutor or the helper. You're not really the primary teacher or the curriculum designer. This means you cannot pick and choose which curriculum your teen uses, how she or she, how he or she takes tests and things like that. And you're also bound to the school district's school calendar. Now the advantage to enrolling in your school district's independent study program is that your student will have the opportunity to play competitive high school sports, the classes he or she takes will already be NCAA approved and his or her diploma will be issued from a certified accredited school. This certainly cuts through a lot of NCAA red tape. So basically, the school district independent study program does all the paperwork for you. All your student needs to do is play well and keep his or her grades up for eligibility. Now, if and you don't want to enroll in your school district's ISP, The second option is to play club sports throughout high school. Individual sports like tennis, swimming, dance, golf, horseback riding, archery, gymnastics, all those kind of sports are easy to continue throughout high school as a homeschooler. Most swimmers, golfers, and gymnasts already have a gym or a coach, so they can continue to train with them, and they will still have tons of opportunities to compete on the local, state, and national levels. There are usually state and national rankings in these individual sports, too. So your athlete can also stand out by ranking in different categories. Now, if your athlete plays on a team sport like baseball, softball, soccer, basketball, or track and field, most counties have tons of club and travel teams your athlete can join. This is actually a very good option because most club and travel teams tend to be very competitive. Well, they're expensive, but they're competitive. They also have coaches who have tons of connections, which we'll get to in a minute. And they participate in out-of-state and national tournaments, which allows scouts from different areas to see your athlete compete. So if your student wants to play sports in high school, he or she does not have to give up homeschooling to do it. Research your area and your district and see if your athlete is allowed to play on your district's high school team. If not, then start researching and trying out for club and travel teams in your area. Like I said, almost every team sport, you know, with the exception of football, have these kinds of leagues. And if your athlete is in an individual sport, he or she probably already has many ways to continue competing at the high school level. So first thing to do is make sure your athlete continues to play and play hard his or her sport throughout the high school time in some form or another. All right, the next thing you should do, even if your athlete is only in 8th or ninth grade, is to get very familiar with NCAA's eligibility requirements. Now, if you think your athlete might attend a smaller university or a private Christian university, then you should also get acquainted with the NAIA requirements. I'll get back to NAIA, so let's first talk about NCAA. In many cases, NCAA's requirements are actually tougher than high school and college requirements. First, for Division I schools, a 2.3 GPA is a must. If your student is looking into Division II or Division Three schools, the requirement is a bit lower. Before COVID, an SAT or an ACT score was required by NCAA, but it was on a sliding scale. Now, the sliding scale balances your test score with your athlete's GPA. So if your daughter has a low test score on the SAT, then she needs a higher GPA to be eligible. Or if your daughter has a very low GPA, then she needs a higher test score in order to be eligible in NCAA. All right, so looking at the test now, a combined SAT score is calculated by adding the reading and math subscores. If your student takes the ACT, then the ACT subscore is calculated by adding the English, math, reading, and science subscores. And if a student takes either test more than once, then NCAA takes the best subscore from each test, and that's what use for their academic certification process. So your student doesn't have to pick which SAT or ACT test to send to NCAA. NCAA will find the best subscores of each test and use those even if they come from different test dates. Okay, so how does the sliding scale work? So for example, if your athlete has a 3.5 GPA, then the student needs a combined SAT score of 400 or a combined ACT score of 37 doesn't sound like much, does it? So in ACT terms, this means the student can get a 12 or a 13 on each subtest. Yeah, that's a 13 on English, a 13 on math, a 12 on reading, and a 12 on science, and can still get the needed 37 combined score. So if your student's not a good test taker, make sure he or she has a very high GPA. Because the lower the GPA, the better your student needs to do on these tests. Now, during COVID, the test is optional and has been waived for the class of 2020 and 2021 seniors. Since many students have not been able to take the test in person, it's not part of the requirements for last year's seniors and this year's seniors. As of right now, if your student is a junior or younger, now unless things change, he or she will be expected to meet the SAT and ACT requirements for eligibility. So start studying or preparing for those tests. Now, even if the college your student is applying to is test optional, your student will still need to take the ACT and SAT in order to have NCAA eligibility. Also, another requirement from NCAA for D1 schools the athletes must complete 16 core courses. That would be four years of English, three years of math, Algebra one or higher, two years of a natural or physical science, including one year of lab science, one additional year of English, math, or a natural physical science, two years of social science, and either a foreign language, comparative religions, or philosophy class. Now, keep in mind, if your student is officially enrolled with a charter school, he's technically enrolled in a public school. NCAA does not look at your athlete as a homeschooler. He or she is looked at as a public school student. Therefore, they are required to meet NCAA's public school guidelines. This means their coursework needs to be approved and accredited classes. If you're here in California, that would be the A through G classes. So, if your student is in charter school and doesn't take those quote-unquote approved high school classes with their charter school, then that course will not count for NCAA purposes. For example, your student takes a bio class with a lab taught from a biblical worldview instead of taking the charter school approved biology class. He will get credit for biology on the transcript, but NCAA will not accept it. It will look like to NCAA that he did not take a bio class with a lab. So keep this in mind if you're with a charter school. Also, make sure that the charter school you're with is NCAA approved. Not all charter schools are, so you may think your student's transcript will be approved because you jumped through all the charter school hoops and took all of the non-Christian classes only to find out that none of them None of the ones your student took will be approved by the charter school if the charter school is not approved by NCAA. Now, NCAA also requires a transcript formatted in a very particular way with particular information on it. Now, as a private homeschooler, there are great websites and programs you can use to create your child's transcript. Just keep in mind there are tons of other forms and paperwork you will need to submit to verify this homeschool transcript. Okay, to review real quick, NCAA requires for D1 schools, a 2.3 GPA, an SAT or ACT score based on a sliding scale, 16 core academic classes, and an official transcript. Now, if you're not with a charter school, and you are a private homeschooler, then the next thing you need to do is become very familiar with the NCAA homeschool packet. Remember, the private school program you're with or your home, they are not accredited high schools, so your transcript will not be a verified transcript. This means NCAA will require you to fill in a packet of forms to verify what is on your student's transcript. It isn't hard, but it is very time-consuming. Basically, what you're doing is you're filling in a course description form for every core class your student takes. That would be 16 core description forms. They are lengthy, and they require a lot of information, like the curriculum that was used, um, how the student was assessed and how often, um, a detailed syllabus and course outline, the dates taken, the grade received, and so much more. So if you haven't already, go to NCAA Eligibility Center website and download that homeschool packet. Even if your student is only in ninth grade, print the forms and at the end of each year, fill in the course description form for each class your student completed that year. Trust me, you don't want to do this junior or senior year when coaches begin recruiting your athlete. The forms are just too detailed to wait. You don't want to try and remember everything about the class or what your student did a few years later. Do it at the end of each year when the info is fresh in your mind, and then save the forms. Also make printed copies too, because an electronic signature is not good enough on the forms. NCAA wants to have a physical signature on each form, and the title of each class on the form must match the class titles on your student's transcript. There are also several of the forms that need to be submitted, like the administrator form, of course that's you or your husband, a cover letter form, and a few others. So remember, if you are with a charter school, you do not need to fill in these forms. They actually won't even accept them if you're with a charter school. It's assumed that the classes your student has taken are accredited and approved through your charter school. These forms are for students who are considered by NCAA as true homeschoolers. So keep in mind, you do not need to send these forms to NCAA until a coach requests information on your student. Then at that time, you will begin to submit all the paperwork and the process to check for eligibility begins at that time. NCAA will not look at anything. And they won't review anything until a coach is interested in your student and request information on him or her. Which brings me to the next thing. Once you get familiar with what's required by NCAA for eligibility for D1, D2, and D3 schools, then officially register your son or daughter at the NCAA website. This way your student already has an NCAA number. When he or she begins to talk to coaches, your student can give his NCAA number to the coaches. It just helps keep the ball rolling. Once you get familiar with the NCAA requirements and you've downloaded the NCAA homeschool packet and you've started to fill in the forms, your student needs to start promoting him or herself. In the age of technology and COVID, it is much easier for athletes to be seen by coaches. Yes, many still come out to scout in person, and prospect camps hosted by different schools are great opportunities for your athlete to participate in, but these are no longer the only way for coaches to meet, see, and scout your athlete. While it's more accessible now, your athlete needs to start this process now. It's never too early to start. And we learned this the hard way. My son was injured his freshman year, and he didn't get to play ball at all. His sophomore year, he was back on the field and started making reels of himself while his baseball coaches started contacting colleges on his behalf. We found out at this time that many of the top D1 competitive schools already had the majority of their class of 2021 recruits, and their 2022 teams were already set. My son actually needed to start the process when he was a freshman. Also, if your athlete plays a position that's common, like in my son's case, he's a right-handed mid-infielder player, these common positions are very competitive, so the sooner a coach sees your athlete's potential, the better. Now, if your athlete sports something unique or less common, like in the case of baseball or softball, he's a lefty or she's a left-handed pitcher, then that's a huge advantage. Because coaches are always in need of these types of players and uncommon positions. Now, if your athlete is interested in D2 or D3 schools or a smaller Christian school, it isn't necessary to start this early. But it's always a good idea to start getting on the university's radar. If your athlete is playing all through high school with his or her school district or on club or travel ball teams, start recording your athlete in action. You can pay tons of money to have professional reels and videos created, but in our experience, it is necessary, especially in this age of technology and apps. Now, every game, every meet, every match, every competition, record, record, and record some more. Then save the best. Save the things that highlight your athlete's best and his or her strengths. For example, my son is a very aggressive base runner, and he's very fast on his feet. So he made sure he had videos of himself stealing bases and running the 60-yard dash. He created one-and-a-half to two-minute videos of himself fielding balls at shortstop in practice and during games, and of him doing tee work and live at bats in different games, and some of his home runs and major hits. Include the best because the coaches need to see their best. My son also made sure all of his relevant information was in the video as well, such as name, his class, contact information, his height, his weight, and GPA. Those things are very important to the coaches. He would then also use apps like Field Level and his coach's college connections to get his videos and reels into the hands of different schools. Your athlete should also research the schools he or she wants to play for and get the head coaches and recruiting coaches emails. There is a dark period each year where the coaches can't contact the players or come and see them. However, the athletes can still send emails and videos to the coaches throughout the year. The idea is to stay on the radar of the schools and coaches your athlete wants to play for. In the email, keep the subject line short and sweet student's name, class, and position. For example, Fred Smith, class of 2022, catcher. Then have your athlete briefly introduce himself, include the link to a video, and all of his or her contact information. Coaches are very interested in students who can make the grade. (laughs) They want to start with athletes who have a higher probability of being academically eligible. Now, of course, they won't rule out your student if his or her grades aren't the best, but it does help move him or her up the ladder of prospects if they do have a good GPA. Coaches and experts also say if you're good enough, coaches will find you, which is why it's very important your athlete plays his or her sport all through high school in some competitive way. Their stats help. When coaches see your daughter's pitching speed and ERA, they notice her even if she isn't playing on a high-ranking school sports team. When coaches see your son's mile run is rated in the top 50 of the nation, they notice him. The reels and videos help prove the athlete's abilities and encourage the coaches to come see more in person. Now with COVID and season cancellations, it is harder for coaches to scout or to see your son or daughter play in person especially here in California, where things are still shut down and seasons keep getting canceled or postponed. This is why your athlete should contact coaches through emails and apps like Field Level. Make sure your athlete also fills in any prospect form at the university he or she wants to attend. Again, it just gets your athlete noticed and on file. If your athlete's coach has connections to different colleges, universities, programs, or specific coaches, ask them to help your son or daughter. A recommendation or a, hey, I've got this fabulous shortstop you need to see. They go a long way because coaches respect each other's opinions. And try not to limit your athlete's choices. Sometimes the best schools, offers, scholarships, and opportunities come from schools far away from home. If your athlete wants to stay home, that's fine, but just make sure your athlete understands he or she will get less offers and will have less opportunities if they limit their geographic boundaries. Now, if your athlete doesn't mind living across country or maybe eight hours away from your hometown, then this will open up more doors and more opportunities. My son had phone calls from coaches up and down the East Coast his junior year right before COVID shut everything down. But since he wanted to stay in Southern California, his choice for baseball and shortstop positions at a D1 and D2 schools were quickly limited. His very long list of possibilities was narrowed down to a very small list. Now, if your athlete is applying to an NAIA school, then the guidelines are both easier and harder at the same time. Most homeschoolers are deemed non-eligible immediately (laughs) by NAIA, and then they need to go through the homeschool review. Most eventually do get eligibility status, but the review process can't start until the day after he or she officially graduates. For many of you, this is late May or June. SAT and ACT scores are very important to NAIA and the minimum scores needed are actually higher than the NCAA requirements. So start preparing for those tests now. Now, with so many tests being canceled this past year, NAIA now accepts 11 units or more of college credit as one way to, quote-unquote, verify your homeschool transcript. So again, start this process early so you can plan ahead. What college classes can your student take his junior or senior year? What can you do to score higher on the SAT or the ACT? There are no forms or packets to fill in for NAIA, but letters of recommendations from non-family members will be needed. So again, start collecting those now. If your athlete takes a class outside your home, ask that teacher to write a letter of recommendation for your student, even if your student is only a freshman. Save the letter on file. You don't want to ask a homeschool biology teacher to write you a letter of recommendation for your son four years after he took the class. The teacher will remember more and add more in the recommendation if your son and his classwork are fresh in your teacher's mind. So in a nutshell, it is possible and it is doable. But basically, you will need to learn as you go because each year new apps come out due to COVID, new regulations are given or suspended, so just keep current. Start early and get very familiar with NCAA and NAIA eligibility center and websites. I hope this podcast on homeschool athletes and playing the NCAA game has reassured you that yes, your athlete can play competitive sports in high school while still homeschooling. And he or she can still get offers, scholarships, and positions on collegiate teams as a homeschool graduate. Now remember, if you're interested in other topics related to homeschooling through high school, and you're in the Southern California area, you should join us this weekend at our special weekend for homeschooling moms in the Pasadena area. Our Friday night session, Homeschool High School, begins at 6.30 p.m. We have a panel of homeschooling moms and dads who have successfully launched their teens into the working world and onto college campuses. And like I mentioned before, as special guests, we have Carolyn and Marty Forte, who are the owners and founders of Excellence in Education Homeschooling Resource Center right here in Southern California. But our favorite part of our high school panel consists of the homeschool graduates who are out in the workforce in graduate and bachelor programs, and even homeschooling their own children now. Not only do the moms in attendance get to hear advice from parents who have taught their students during the high school years, but they get to hear firsthand from the homeschool graduates themselves. My husband and I will also be on the panel, so if you have even more questions about sports and eligibility for homeschool athletes, you can come and ask us. Online and late registration for our special weekend for homeschooling moms is over now, but you can still register at the door Friday evening if you want to join us. It is 55 at the door, but dads and teens can come with you on Friday night to our homeschool high school session. Perhaps I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out my new book, Just Breathe, and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool in Step with God. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week, or share it with a friend who's homeschooling a high school athlete. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie podcast, and then take a few minutes to leave a little review and share it with others. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, our book, and our homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our new book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless.